second edition of Unplugged for season 2023. We had a look at the off-season last week. We now sink our teeth into round one. Round one officially starting in the next 48 hours, but for us obviously waiting through until Sunday twilight. It wasn't enough time to get a few of our players that were under a cloud up. They've already been ruled out for that game. There are a couple of others that are touch and go as well. It is an ugly injury list, but hopefully some of those names that are you know, tests and a couple of weeks away can still have a pretty decent and, and long productive seasons. But obviously some concerns around it. It is going to lead to some club debutants and, and you'd think debutants full stop for this game against Fremantle, who are in intriguing opposition, had a very good season in 2022, had a very busy off-season, obviously losing a number of players like Griffin Logue, obviously uh, Rory Lobb, Blake Akers, who was obviously formerly of us as well, and uh, a handful of other players, Connor Blakely and, and co. And obviously they bring in the likes of Luke Jackson and, and Jager O'Meara. So the net balance is probably hard to determine, but we know we played them late last year and dominated a half, didn't get enough reward for it and got flogged in the end. But uh, we look to Sunday probably with a degree of excitement, but at the same time, understanding the challenge that sits in front of us. We will announce before we're done with this episode, our competition winners. We had well over 400 entrants into that one for Russell Holmesby's uh, terrific book, Strength Through Loyalty, The Saints at Moorabbin. So, We'll announce who they were, and you may even get an alert in your email. So if you've entered that comp and haven't checked that yet, uh, jump on board and and have a bit of a look. But we play Fremantle, round one, the Ross era, Mark two. Nick, uh, your thoughts as we count down towards finally getting it all started, which would be good because hopefully no one else will get injured between now and then. Yeah, well, I I imagine that they're going to wrap everyone in – in bubble wrap for the next couple of days, just to um, to make sure that there's no more injuries. It's it's a weird feeling. I think every year you kind of go into the season and you're full of hope about what this year can produce and you know what what there is to look forward to. And I think that this year, especially, you know, there's kind of that there, there is that kind of emotional homecoming a little bit that you know the gang's back together and Ross is back and Harves is back and Lenny's back and BJ's back and you know all all this stuff is kind of coming home and there's unfinished business and I kind of understand like you know emotionally you take out all logic and and whatever you want to put on it but but emotionally it's a it's a really nice kind of story especially in year 150 and all that type of stuff but it is um it's difficult to kind of go into the year full of hope when you look at that injury list and, and the names that are on that list the memory and Winhager and there was so much promise around Winhager um then you add you know Ross and Caulfield Billings King um, and, a, and a bunch of the, the other young blokes as well in um, uh, Max Heath and Hayes and Keeler and you know, all, all those all those kids and you know, Zach Jones on the list, Seb Ross on the list, Dan McKenzie's on the list who had an, an incredible year and um, it's just it, it's hard to, to get yourself pumped up for a game like this that it should be so full of emotion and should be so full of hope and and you know looking forward to it but it is it is a little bit hard to kind of get yourself up. And you know, thinking about all the the the, the issues that, that we're facing at the moment. Hey, should we bring yeah. you in as well? Um, yeah, I, I kind of wish Netflix told us that they were going to film this film the second series of Squid Games down at the club, but it's <laughs> it, it's been wiped out that quickly. It's just it, yeah, training, practice games. It's just torn through us at the moment. Um, like 
it was only what this morning i think i heard caulfield and he's going to be out and i was well what have we done wrong what what has happened it's has training really really amped up since ross has got stepped in is is that something that's happened for a few of the players has that caused a couple of issues for them trying to i guess step up from what from what they're saying from what rats was doing to what ross is doing because from what i've heard it's chalk and cheese with the training systems the training um basically the drills they're doing uh, that, that it's yeah so whether it's that's a little bit of the cause or something i mean we've had a few unlucky ones obviously windhager that's nothing to do with it that's mm. but yeah caulfield's having i believe it was having it's an interesting one because a few of them like you know mckenzie had calf issues last year he's got calf issues again Caulfield coming off the ACL, you know, it's another leg related injury. And, and I think that's fairly common that you get calves and hammies after an ACL. King was another kind of just unlucky, just mm. contact injury. Um, it's hard to say if like you, you do, you do feel like it could be some sort of, tr- you know, training, you know, ramp up Small, or whatever under Ross, yeah, but, part of it, yeah. but some of them are such unlucky, unlucky, just incidents and events that happen on the track. That's just, I don't know. I don't know what to put it down to. The, the things that bother me also are the, is it bad luck or, or bad management or a bit of both with a couple of them? Because obviously when Tim Embry had the operation, it was, he'll be right for round one. I now look at the injury list and it says TBC. Mm. So they're saying he'll miss round one, but potentially longer. Well, how long are we talking? He'll miss two weeks or he could miss five. Then you look at, Dan McKenzie, who injured a calf at training and is listed as indefinite and told you last week he might not play till the second half of the year. So mm. what did he do? Did his leg fall off? Like, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of an injury. And Zach Jones, as we said last week, Achilles now listed as indefinite. So are, are we going to miss these players for half a season or are we going to, you know, Matt Allison, foot, indefinite. Jack Hayes, foot, tracking slower than expected, at least mm. after the bye. So... I mean, Max King's tracking okay, touch wood. But even, you know, Marcus Windhager, who they said after the Essendon game, he's had an operation but should play. He now looks doubtful um, with, the, obviously, the test next to his name. So, like, is there an issue with these guys not recovering or what, what's the situation yeah, there? The, the Hayes one is an interesting one. And I, I wonder if – we spoke about it last week or, or maybe we did it off air, I can't remember. But around Hayes coming into the league so quickly, he was a bricky – he was a tradie, comes in, plays the league, does his ACL. He's probably carrying a bit more weight than he would had he spent you know, full preseason, had he been a couple of years in the system. You know, is he fit enough to run out you know, and play senior footy at that level? Um, does, does, does his kind of – does his body weight, his, his body size and all that sort of stuff, because he spent so long out of the system, does that impact his recovery time and you know, other joints that it puts pressure on in, in terms of his foot or his ankle or leg or whatever? Um, I was there yesterday at the, the open training, and and Max King and Marcus Windhagen looked like they could play this week. If it, re, you know, if it was a final, they'd both be playing this week. I reckon Max King was out there. I'm told um, that it was his first real session back with the, the the rest of the group, but he he looked fit and strong, and like he looked healthy. Um, obviously, it's not the same as being match fit and having gone through sims and full training, all that sort of stuff. I get it, but he looked fit and healthy and strong. Uh, Marcus Windhager was running laps and it looked uncomfortable, you know, holding his wrist up to his chest, making sure that it wasn't moving or whatever. But again, he's a pretty, pretty impressive specimen. Um, and, you know, there are other, other 
blokes kind of running laps and, and doing sprints that would kind of pull up halfway through and Winhager's going full full bore around the boundary, like doing everything he could. So there, there is potentially a chance that, that Marcus Winhager could play this week. I think it's probably unlikely, but I don't think he's far away. And, and I wouldn't be surprised. I know Max King's listed as six to nine weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if he's there around round four, yeah, three or four, just in the way that he was looking. Um, yeah, he's a big boy. He looks fit and strong and healthy, and he, he looks like he's ready to go. Yeah, and, and that's, look, fingers crossed. I mean, with Max, they've got to be very careful with that. And um, I just hope that the indefinite for Zach Jones and the TBC for Tim Membry and the indefinite for McKenzie and the one to two weeks mm. for Seb Ross is all within the first month of the season. If you start to get those long-termers on top of all of the other long-termers that you have, then it becomes problematic. Like you can, I actually think we're a chance on Sunday, you know, with backs to the wall, the homecoming, as you say, playing an interstate side. It's funny. Like we're, we're desperately depleted, but I actually think we're a chance. If we're, I think in the first couple of rounds, we're going to have a massive crack undermanned. Mm. And if we can snag a result or two and then roll these players back, we'll be okay. We just don't need that to linger for too long. So um, that is my bold prediction. I actually think we'll be all right on, on Sunday. I'm not going to sit here and guarantee we'll win, but we're in it up to our ears. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, we basically need to show a bit in these first few weeks. Um, if we go out there and get absolutely hammered for three, four weeks, then the players who are playing, their heads drop. And we, as much as we bring other players back in, it's the, the confidence is shot of the other players who have been playing those few weeks already. So it's, it, we need a bit of... I mean, we may not get the results, but as long as we're not being hammered by 10, 12 goals mm. each week, I mean, if we put in good performances, the, the, the picture's there of saying, hey, we, we are in amongst this as we get these players back. So, yeah, it's... I mean, Freo, if they beat us by two goals, we've absolutely given everything. Hey, that's sort of where we're sitting. I mean, we've... I think we've... We're sitting almost at $3 to win this week. So, it's Mm. a fair outsider to look at it and think, well, they're not in this match. They're, They're no chance. But, yeah, we've got a few, I guess, untried types at senior level not not counting practice matches and that sort of thing and getting finally getting onto the big stage who knows uh, they could be the difference on the day they they get out there and get that excitement that they haven't really had and I mean we saw with Jack Hayes in his first game last year hey we can replicate that what four times over then yeah see how we go it's it's an interesting one. I mean, you talk about the, the odds, and and you know we're, we're not a betting podcast, so I don't want to harp too much on it. But um, you know we're two dollars fifty five or something. I feel like with all these outs, that that we should probably be closer to to three dollars or four dollars even for for it to be value. I, I still think that that like you said, we're we're a real shot in this game, and and I think the markets kind of see that even even despite the the names who are not going to be playing this weekend, even despite the the long injury list and the off season and all this type of stuff, the fact that we're still $2.50 to, to win this game, I, f- I feel like everybody's trying to give us a shot and like everything is there for us to, to come and, and, and give it a, a real good shot. And, and we know, we know what Ross teams do. They're not, they're not about, you know, the, the, the star player. They're not about a, a singular, uh, singular player or personnel he's a system coach it's all about buy-in and structure and game plan and strategy and 
the way you set up and the way you respond and react and, and be proactive when you've got the ball it's, it's being proactive but when you don't have the ball how do you how do you react as a team how do you shape how do you control where your opponent's going as, as a team as a unit and it's not about you know whether Windhager's there or King's there or Billings is there or Ross is there it, it doesn't matter it's about the team and how the team performs and yeah I think Ross Ross is the ideal guy yeah it doesn't really matter who else is coaching in the league but Ross is the guy who who can kind of see us through this this period where we're missing players because it's all about the, the magnets move the magnets about and make sure that doesn't matter whose name is on the, the magnet but everybody is expected to be in the right place at the right time doesn't matter what your name is but you do your role you play your part and you, you fill a, a fill a gap for the team and and that's really important and i would argue for the last four or five years when we've had our forward line intact our biggest problem has been that we can't score even with that mm-hmm. setup so it, it kind of forces your hand into doing something a little bit different. Our defensive unit is largely untouched. It's pretty solid and stable, and that's a strength of, of ours. There's still enough talent through the middle that you can compete. If Marshall and, and one other competes in the ruck, that's fine. Then you just got to generate ways to score the other the other way, and maybe that degree of unpredictability. I mean, that might be what costs us the game, is that we, we just don't quite have enough avenues, but... As I say, I think we are a chance. And, and as you say, I think Ross is, is someone that could really steal it in. And as we look at selection for this game, H, so we've got 14 players on the injury list. So that would mean we would have roughly 30 available. So I would think that if the team is read out Thursday night and it doesn't have either Cooper Sharman, Jack Bytel or Leo Connolly in it, that those three players should be pretty worried. Probably. Um yeah, uh, I don't know what's happened with Conley. He's came on board and showed a bit, and he's been injured. He had a concussion. Yeah, he's he had a bit of injury, but even then, when he came yeah. back, he was playing reasonable, reasonably well in the VFL as well. He was probably in amongst the best most weeks, but still couldn't get a crack at it again. Even when we were missing a few players, so I'm not sure if he was yeah, a little bit offside with the coaching department or what, or but yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether. Ross thinks he's got something and maybe can provide us something or not. But, um, but yeah, if you're struggling to get a game now with only 30 players, you're really going to have, have a lot of work to do. And at the moment, obviously, there's no VFL to prove that you should be playing. So there's not really much chance to push your way into the team if, if you're not getting in right now. And as we're saying, week by week, players will return and like your opportunity is... is Almost gone there. That's that's it for the year. Almost if you if you're not making the team early on, especially if you're Sharm and if if our biggest problem is forward targets. And I know last year we had a conversation where it was alluded to things around work rate, perhaps, and that type of stuff. If a second coach has the same view and he doesn't get a game when we are desperate for that, then that's a pretty pointed message, I would think. It is, and and I think we kind of we spoke about it a little bit last week, um, we, which is strange. And that the message kind of coming out of the club, and and like I said, I kind of had a few chats with with some people who who yeah are what you'd call club insiders and have avenues into the coaching staff. And the message is that they're not sure what role Cooper Sharman plays. That he's not quite tall enough to be big. He's not small enough to be a small. 
Um, and, and that's the message that at his size, they don't know what he is. Um, the message isn't, isn't that he doesn't work hard enough, that he doesn't do the one percentage, which I think is something that we all would have identified as, as being the issue. But the message that they don't know what he is because of his size, I think is really worrying for him. Um, Leo Connolly is a really interesting one because I think he's a kid that's got all the talent in the world. Uh, I saw him at training on Monday and I think, again, it was one of his, his first sessions back with the rest of the group. And, I mean, he was running rings around some people with his, his speed and his, his foot skills are elite. You know, one of the very few players with elite foot skills on our, on our list. Um, I think what he's got to be worried about is Liam Stocker. I think Liam Stocker comes in as a bigger body. He's had a number of years in the system. You know, he's, he's a really – he's a big boy. For, for the role that he plays, he's a big boy. He's strong. Uh, and, again, elite foot skills. And, uh, you know, talking to Ryan Burns at the, the presser on, on Monday and, and the club is really excited about what Liam Stocker brings off halfback with his foot skills. And I think that's a concern for, for Leo Connolly. I think that there's an opportunity here and, and the next few weeks, if he's not playing this week, then the next two or three weeks are going to be really important for Leo Connolly to hit the ground running at Sandy, uh, whether it's off halfback, whether it's on a wing or whatever it is. But he's got to win the ball, and he's got to he's got to do his utmost to hit targets because that's his that's his skill set, that's his core skill, and that's what he brings. And if he's not doing it at Sandy, and there are other guys like Stocker and Webster and Patton now moving into the midfield group onto the wing, then you know, avenues for for Leo Connolly are going to be are, are going to be reduced, and that's a real worry for you know for both Sharman and and Connolly. Yeah, and look, obviously there are some debutantes that, and you, you look at social media traffic and the way clubs present certain players forward, it, it appears obvious that Philippa will debut and I think he's well I'm and told, truly... Just, just on that, yeah. I'm, told, I'm told by the club that the correct pronunciation of his name is Filippo. Filippo, all right. Filippo. It's not right. Filippo like, like not, we've not, all not, been doing. Not Filippusis sort not of shortened. Philippo, all right. It's Philippo. So Philippo looks likely. Caminitas looks, you would think, likely. Stocker, you, you'd say, would be likely. Um, what do they do with Zane Cordy? Um, we'll see. But, um, yeah, there'll, there'll certainly be some excitement around that with Philippo combining with the likes of Butler and Higgins in that forward line. And so, H, I think, you know, looking forward to it. A lot of those guys, or certainly the first two, will play in front of the ball, so that gives us a bit more unpredictability. Yeah, most likely. Um, I mean, as I was saying before, the the, the excitement of being the first, like their first game, that sort of thing. I think we saw plenty of flashes and that sort of thing in by Philippo and Kevin Easy in the forward line and teaming up with. Owens, also young, um, got the experience of Higgins and Butler down there. I mean, it's not that we're lacking any skill down there. That, that, that's for sure. That As a group, they can do pretty well. And I think this is going to be a big learning experience for them. If, if we might see a few of these players play most of the season if they start well. And it's it's reasonably exciting to think of how many how many young players did we did we have come through the ranks when Ross first coached us. He's, there's probably as many going to be in this team as there was almost in his whole time at the club because mm-hmm. we know he didn't 
bring a lot through in that period because we he had that basically that group from the early thousands and he brought them all through. He's sort of almost starting with it now instead of, I guess, um, taking it on after four or five seasons. So it'd be good to see how he deals with them, how he coaches them, how, I guess, how he plays the positions and who, who sort of, almost matching up our own players in some situations. Not not matching the, the opposition, but matching our players and getting the right players at the right player. So having, I don't know, you might have, yeah, um, Kevin Etienne, Butler working one side of the field and working together. And it, it, it's going to be real interesting to watch the tactics, how he, how he brings them into the game and how he gets the, I guess, all working together for the first time. And um, yeah, it's actually, as I said, reasonably exciting to look forward to. We know, you know, there's, there's all the stories about the young blokes when Ross was here the first time and, and, didn't get enough chances and the opportunities just weren't there. And, and he had his guys, his go-to guys. Uh, we all know that. I think what we don't hear is the stories of him at Frio and the young blokes at the Dockers love Ross Lyon. I mean, you look at the guys that came through Frio that are now dominating in their current team and, and elsewhere around the league. You look at the guys like Andrew Brayshaw, like Adam Chera, those types of guys, they love Ross Lyon and what he did for them, the opportunity they gave him. And so I think, yeah, we, we talk about what has Ross learnt between you know, when he left us the first time and, and coming now. I think that he's learned a lot. It's not just about soft and cuddly Ross and, and the way that he talks and presents and all that sort of stuff that you know is more than likely bullshit. And the fact that he's been caught out with you know um, a, a pre-record or, or a record behind the scenes that, that got uploaded and whatever, all that sort of stuff just goes to show that you, know, you don't go from being a tough nut to a soft and cuddly teddy bear overnight or, or even over a decade. Like It just doesn't happen. He's still Ross Lyon. Like, don't get me wrong. He's still Ross Lyon. But, but he has learned. And the fact that there are guys like Brayshaw and Chera who are stars of the league now and came through that system with Ross um, shows that he, that he did learn from some of those mistakes and some of those issues that, that we've learned. And guys like Philippou, you hear him talk about Philippou, you hear Philippou talk about him and the way they talk about each other. The fact that, that they have an incredible relationship and, and trust and uh, respect for each other uh, I think is really promising for, for our group. And you know, Matthias Philipp, who's 21 bucks for Rising Star, which I think is incredible value when you look at the role that he's going to play for us. He's going to be super important. He was talking yesterday about being the fifth forward, which is the link man between kind of midfield and, and attack. Um, and Chris Toche, who's a friend of the show, has been on, on our show a number of times, was talking yesterday about his skill set and you know, booming kick both sides of the body, really good awareness and footy IQ um, runs for days. An elite runner is, is what he said. So, you know, Filippo can run through the midfield. He can go on a wing. He can potentially go at half back, he can play half forward. He can go in the goal square. Like he can play so many roles for us that, that we need him to do. And he's ready to go. He's ready to go right now. Um, Filippo is going to be a star. And I think we should all be very excited about what he can offer. Uh but there is, there's a number of other blokes that, that we should be excited about. And we've seen a little bit of Mitch Owens. He's going to get, you know, incredible burn over the next month. Uh, Win Hager, when he comes back, he's going to be a really important part of, of our side. And there's a lot there's a lot for us to be excited about um, in in the way that, that this team and this squad is shaping up. Exactly. Like, it's <clears throat> injuries create those opportunities and it's not like we've got nobody there to, to come in. So it's going to be... 
a fascinating watch. A few things we'll touch on as well before we wrap up. We did mention the competition winners. We had over 400 entries into that. And congratulations to Leonie M and Timothy O, who have each won a copy of Russell Holmesby's Strength Through Loyalty, Saints at Moorabbin and beyond. We've had Russell on this program before, and as we said, he's been a great help with a lot of the guests that we've been able to speak to. But check your emails and, and get back to us, and we'll help you out with that. It might have popped up in your, your spam or your junk, so check those folders as well. Um, and we look forward to getting that book out for you. I've got one on my shelf. I'm sure Nick's got one there, and, and H's got one as well. Um before we get into our listener questions, we have answered a couple of those already, but we will credit you with those. I haven't played Supercoach for a while, but obviously we do have an unplugged league. So I might let you, Nick and H, in regards to those star locks, rookie cash cows, second chances, I, I could have a crack and say that maybe somebody like Sinclair with the way he uses the ball might be something of a star lock. And, and the boy you just mentioned in Filippo, maybe for a rookie, but um, yeah. What, what do you guys think of that? Uh, I'd be leading towards Ryan Marshall this year as being my lock. I mean, you only get two Ruckman. He's basically going to be taking the number one role for large chunks of the game this year. Um, and he scored really well last year anyway, playing 50, less than 50% of the match in Ruck. So it's a lock position because there's not going to be too many minutes taken off him by another Ruckman. Um, he'll probably more likely rest in the forward line at the moment, considering our situations. Um, and we'll, I don't know who we're going to play as a second Ruckman at the moment in, in some situations, whether... It's got to be Campbell. Got to be yeah, Campbell. Yeah, he's probably got to be the way. Um, and yeah, he'll move forward, obviously, when we when he's not playing Ruck as well. So that the two of them probably will spend most of the game on the field. Um, but Marshall will be... I, I would be surprised if he's less than 80% Ruck time. Um, so plenty of hit-outs, plenty of round-the-field round football. Um, yeah, take marks in the midfield and sneak up forward and hopefully kick a couple of goals. Um, your cash cow, you've got to go to yeah, Philip Ho. Um, but the other one will be Kevin Eaty early on. Um, base base price he is. So be jumping on that and riding the at least the three weeks and hoping that he yeah gets some reasonable scores up. And yeah, then he might be whether you just keep him on your bench to as he keeps increasing or as as we do trade up after a, after he's hit his ceiling. So we'll see how, how that pans out. And yeah, the second chance are obviously Liam Slocker's gonna get games. Um so he he'd be definitely one to say look at putting in. Um but basically that's that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the guarantee of game time. And and that's pretty much what those three at the moment all have. So that's they're probably the three good ones to have a good look at. Yeah, I, I agree pretty much hundred percent. I think the the two star locks I think from from our club are Jack Sinclair and, and Rowan Marshall. I think Rowan Marshall, like you said, is gonna be a, a fair value ruck pick for, for a lot of players in, in Supercoach this year. Um, you know, he's what five hundred K, just over five hundred. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of, if not the highest scoring ruckman in the competition at, by the end of the season. 
Uh, it was averaging 16 disposals, something last year as almost the second ruck behind Paddy Ryder. And, and you know, you're right. He's going to be the, the clear number one ruck in this team. Uh, I think potentially over the next few weeks until Membry and, and King, but, but only one of them has to come back for Rowan Marshall to go back to that full, almost full-time ruckman role. And then the first couple of weeks with both of those guys out, maybe he spends 50% time forward and Campbell rucks a lot more than he would normally. But um, I think Rowan Marshall is right there. Jack Sinclair is the guy. They're going to feed him the ball on the outside a lot. You know, he's an elite ball user. Um, they're obviously trying to push him further forward. You know, obviously he spent time at half back and he's elite kind of uh, attacking defender. Um, they've tried at times to get him up onto the wing and, and through the middle. I think they're going to continue trying to, to do that because he is an elite ball user. So I think he's he's with with Rowan Marshall. Um, I think they're the kind of the two clear star players that you look to kind of lock in into your team. I think Rowan Marshall has the the, the highest ceiling only because of his his current price to start the season. Rookie cash cat, like you said, Filippo is is almost unbeatable. I mean, Caminiti right now is probably a good cash cow for, for two or three weeks uh, until Membry and King are back. But I, I'd be very surprised if he kept playing once those two are, are there. Um, but, you know, could make you 40, 50K in, in a couple of weeks if, if you need it. Uh, Filippo is clearly the one who's going to get the most opportunity from the start of the season. And, and he has the ability to, to get 20 possessions and, and kick a goal or two every week. So he, he's obviously the one there. The second chancer, I think you're right, is Liam Stocker at, at his price at just over 200K. I think he plays almost every week, you know, unless he gives a reason not to play, you know, whether it's injury or, or whatever. I think that they really like Liam Stocker. And, and I said to you you both off, off air that the way he presents, the way he talks, the way he um, stands in front of media and, and, and presents himself, that, that he is leadership material. Um, he's been in the system a couple of years. He's a big body, elite foot skills. He he knows what it takes to perform at the level. Um, clearly, didn't love his time at Carlton, but it seems like you know he's he's got a bunch of a bunch of mates at St Kilda that he's kind of come through the ranks with at Sandy. Um, knows knows a bunch of them. He's really enjoying his time at the moment. It seems like the coaching staff really rate him. It seems like the other players rate him, and you know in terms of second chances. At his sort of value, it's it's pretty hard to go past Liam Stocker. So I, I agree with you 100% on, on all of those picks. And good luck to everybody in the Supercoach League as well, uh, with obviously the sides needing to be in um, ahead of the Richmond-Carlton game on Thursday. A couple of the listener questions. So um, Patrick sent one through late, which we kind of addressed around Sharman, saying, why do you feel like he's on the outer I had a little bit of a chat about that. Um, Joshua O'Hearn also asking on Bytel, who we touched on a little bit. Adam Villella speaking out of frustration. I think will Gresham ever learn how to kick a drop punt? Well, <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, Discount Dracula, one of the great names on Twitter, asking which of us might have got the call up from Ross the Boss. We're sort of having conversations with a few people over the last couple of days about where we were lining up in, in that it's game. It's not me, I can tell. It's not me, I can tell you. <laughs> well, Parco's the last one who's played out of all of us. But Yeah, I think, yeah. Parco, I think you're, you're it for us. Yeah. Uh, well, in that case, we're doomed. I'd love the opportunity and I'll <laughs> throw my heart into it, but we're doomed. Uh, a couple of others. MK says, what's an acceptable ladder position this year? Bottom six looks a real possibility. If we somehow finish at the bottom four, what's the consequences? Or will it be seen as a reset season? 
understand the question, but um, look, I, I think we, there's still reasons to suggest that we, we don't have to finish in that position. Obviously, time will tell. Um, but I think we'll beat Freo, so we'll, we'll wait and see what happens um, we, through all and, of that. But yeah, we we had that conversation last week. Yeah, um, a little in bit. terms of where we think we'll finish, and and mm. I think, I mean, bottom six, we're we're probably right on the bubble of the bottom six. Bottom four, yeah, that's I think possible. Is out of the question. Like I, mm-hmm. I just don't think it happens. No, no, I don't think I don't think we finish below any or all of Adelaide, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, and. West Coast Giants, um, Bombers, Giants potentially. I think Cro- yeah, Giants. Yeah. I think will improve. I, I really rate Adam Kingsley. I think the Giants will improve. But there's there's a team. There's, there's a bunch of teams around our area that I think you throw a blanket over. Bottom yeah. six is is potential, but bottom four I think is is very very unlikely. I think we're we're really solidly in that kind of seven to twelve range. And uh, H run from Luke who says. Do you think Ross will be decim- well, spooked by our decimated forward line and play ultra-defensive, or do you think they'll take it on and, and be a bit bolder? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, he, he played defensive with a, a star-studded forward line previously for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, what? We win kick from five goals on the weekend? I mean, I, sometimes <laughs> I, we sort of look at what we've got up there. Are we going to kick more than five goals? I mean, we won with... Was it ten in the second practice match, and it, it's it'll be interesting to see how much they do take it on. Um, but I, I, I've got a bit of a feeling of a a bit of an attacking mindset from from a younger t- young team. Um, it, it's 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 not really a coach thing. It's very much mental. They get out in the field, and then all of a sudden they just want to run forward and attack and. It's not in their, I guess, in their, in their bank yet of being overly defensive. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably know by about quarter time whether it's whatever they've done is working or not. I, I have a, I have a real, I don't know, it's a little bit like a bee in the bonnet. Like I, I feel like there's a bit of revisionist history around Ross's time with us and at Frio, for, for what it's worth, in terms of how defensive he is a coach. And I I agree that kind of the bedrock of his system was based on defense. Get your, your defense right and the rest will come. But we were the highest scoring team in, in 09, second or third highest scoring team in, in 2010 and, and still kind of top six or so in, in 11. And Fremantle were up there too with their kind of grand final teams as well, for what it's worth. And, I understand the way that it looked wasn't always pretty, but our best players week in, week out were offensive players. It was Nick Rewatt, it was Stephen Milne, it was Nick Del Santo, it was Lenny Hayes, it was Jason Graham, it was Sam Fisher. I know Graham and Fisher were defenders, but they were offensive defenders. And the way that he plays is score heavily when you've got the ball. You need to take your chances and take your opportunities and move the ball quickly. And I think what we've seen in the couple of kind of preseason games is is that mantra that yes, you get people behind the ball, but as soon as you win the ball back, you move forward and you move directly. Uh, you move the ball quickly. It's handball. The guys running past you, you, you go direct down the line. Um, you go to one-on-one contest. You don't, you don't kick to outnumbered spots for sure. Like, yeah, I think we saw all last week and we were all oh, last year, I should say, and all kind of flabbergasted at the way that we win a contest in the middle of the ground and just 
dump it forward to to Stephen May or Jake Lever or you know, any of these Tom Stewart guys are going to take a billion marks at centre half back and just rebound against us. And where the the way Ross Lyon plays is that way is that we're the team that 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 opposition have to bomb it forward, and hopefully you've got a Cal Wilkie or a Josh Battle or a Dougal Howard to take that that mark or a Rowan Marshall coming back into into defence and then release and kind of slingshot forward. And and I think we've seen a bit of that over the last couple of weeks in those preseason games. Um, clearly the, the guys haven't got it yet. They're not, they're not the finished product, but I don't know. I, the whole, the whole thing about Ross being a, a complete shutdown defensive coach and game plan or whatever just kind of annoys me because, you know, history suggests otherwise. Yeah, it does. People have selective memories and they always expect that the same thing will happen again based on, you know, some of those standout performances in grand finals rather than looking at the the big picture. But the opportunity awaits. It's another exciting time. And I hope Saints fans see it for that. Obviously, there's a feeling with the injuries around that it's a bit more of a lacklustre start to a season, but it doesn't have to be. It's our 150th year. We're playing at home against an interstate side. Ross Lyons coaching for his old club against his old club. It's a big day um, and a big opportunity for a number of players. I just had a little bit of a scribble at a best 22, which I'll chuck up on our socials uh, throughout the course of the evening based on what's left. So I still think it's a side that can win the game. So we'll head to Sunday and hopefully we can start the run from there, but uh, it'll be a fun ride. There's there's no other way with us. So round one in the can and hopefully we'll reconvene next week with a, a backs to the wall four points and the Ross line return script couldn't actually be written any better than that. So let's uh, let's get through it and take our attention towards the doggies next week. But well done to our prize winners. Thanks for jumping on board and We'll catch you again for round two and see you all at Marvel. 